listening to the home of cool, irreverent, and entertaining talk right here on L.A. Talk Radio. You're listening to Answers for the Family with Alan Cardoza. Only on L.A. Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of Answers for the Family. I'm your host, Alan Cardoza. Every Monday from 11 a.m. to noon Pacific Standard Time, my guest and I will bring you answers and options to raising children today and in our constantly changing future. Our topic today is Mommy Power, Discovering Your Mommy Strength, which is also the title of our guest's new book. Now look, motherhood is hard, the joys of parenting can be hindered by harsh self-doubt and a chronic lack of physical and emotional energy. Our guest today, who will share her insights, is Dr. Sheila Schuler-Coleman. Sheila is the Director of Ministry and Mission at the Crystal Cathedral in Garden Grove, California. She has a doctorate in educational leadership and administration, and for over a decade has worked in both the public and private school sectors, mentoring school teachers, principals, and, spre- and preschool directors. In addition, Dr. Coleman co-hosts the Hour of Power television show and writes a monthly column called Ask Sheila that appears in the Hour of Power publication, Powerlines, reaching more than 400,000 readers. Sheila, welcome to Answers for the Family. Thank you, Alan. It's my pleasure to be with you today. Well, I am very glad to have you here. And uh, and I think that this is an issue that uh, I really was hoping to be able to get out there, and that is, what is it that mothers are having to go through now? I mean, based on what's going on with our economy, it's not that it was an easy job before, but add all of the stressors that a lot of us are going through, and I can certainly see where um, this is probably uh, something to where a lot of people are having difficulty with. No question. Moms are moms and dads. I think um, one thing that I am seeing is that more and more it be, it's becoming more of an equal opportunity <laughs> employer being parents. Um, dads are stepping up to the plate and helping out a lot, but there's also a lot of more fractured families, which means that moms, sometimes there's single parenting going on more and more. We have that as well. So the the demands and the stressors on families, you combine uh, economy to it, and um, parents are definitely trying to do the single most important task on the on the face of the earth with less time, less support, and um, they, they need all the the encouragement and pats on the back that we can give them and all the help we can possibly give them. So um, I, I work with moms, a lot of young moms. I saw a lot of myself in them. Uh, my boys are all in their 20s. In fact, today is the birthday of my oldest. He turned thir- turns 30 today. <laughs> and I had four boys that were born within seven years' time, and I thought that I had my hands really, really full. And I described my life back then as being survival mode, primarily. Well, it's, Today I see mom. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, so is, is that what motivated you uh, to write the book now? Well, uh, actually, it was seeing other moms and hearing from them and them asking me, uh, Sheila, I, I am so weary and I need more strength. And I, because I could see myself in them 
but today's moms are doing it in five inch heels and <laughs> <laughs> and I truly admire them. My hats off to all these moms that are that are doing they're really working hard and a lot of times it's thankless, a lot of times people criticize them, a lot of times um, people and even those of us who are educators because we try, we want the best for kids, but sometimes we're not as gracious and kind and generous to these hardworking moms as we as we should be. And um, so they basically, the moms are the ones who asked me to write the book. So it was written um, per request. And um, so I was, I'm happy to do it. Well, how how does how does the way that you discovered your mommy strength back then relate now to the women of today? Well, I think that they're they're universal principles, and uh, I do see that things have changed, uh, but they're not that far off the money. And that is that number one, we moms. Uh, we want the very, very best for our children. We want to make sure that we have been successful at this one thing that we value more than anything else in the world, and that is being a mother. We want to be, you know, who do, who wants to fail at anything, but much less fail as a mother. There's nothing, nothing that we, we fills us with more dread than that. And so we are driven as mothers to to be the best mothers we possibly can. Of course, there I'm not. I'm generalizing to the to the majority of moms, and there are some exceptions out there that you know. But but and this book is is aimed at the average normal mom who is really truly trying her very very hardest. But some of the universal principles are: we don't want to fail as a mom, and we don't want our kids to fail. Right. And there's so many more demands on children today. Uh, we we start looking ahead at getting into a college of choice when they're born, you know. <laughs> what can I do to help give my child an advantage because there's so much more compete, there's so much co- more competition for these um, opportunities. And so a lot of, I feel that fear drives um, moms today. Um, it, it did me as a mom, and I see it in lots and lots of other moms, and that hasn't changed. Well, I, and I was glad that in the very beginning, I mean, you you brought up the fact that, that really this is a parenting thing as much as anything, but but for this particular show and for this particular book, we're kind of focusing on moms, and and I couldn't agree more. And I know that even even with my children, when it was coming time for kindergarten, and I thought, well, okay, we we talked to you know a couple of the schools near us, and I talked to some of my friends, and they went, oh my God, you're not going to let them go to that kindergarten are you because that one isn't going to help get them to the college that you want and I and I was amazed I went you're kidding me we're talking about kindergarten right but yet you're yeah, right and and we see more and more of that yes yeah and it was it was a little bit of a surprise to me that that there was that much pressure and that there were that many other people focusing at such an early point as to what college their child would go to yeah, there's a lot of pressure, and just the, from the educational standpoint, you see the same thing in, in sports when the kids start getting old enough to play sports. Um, how many uh, kids are out there playing double-A um, at <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Little League, and the parents are thinking, oh, he's going to be starting for the Angels, you know, and and uh, it, it, and, and we, we put this on our children if we're not careful, but it's really fear-based, Alan, and I think that's the thing that I, I you know, parents are afraid. I think they're really, really afraid that their kids will miss out on opportunities or that they will miss out or or they will um, end up 
you know, in, involved in something that's destructive. Right. And those are the two fears that kind of uh, propel us as parents. And um, so, uh, you know, I, I think the, the message of the book is that what, what's the counterpoint to fear, and that's faith. Mm-hmm. So I really want to give the parents, um, you know, to, to have faith in themselves, to have faith in their children, and to have faith in, for, for us, and we're a ministry to have faith in God, mm-hmm. a God who has a plan. Um, I believe that scripture verse in Jeremiah that says, God has a plan for your life, a plan for good and not evil, to give you a future with hope. And God, I believe, has a perfect plan for each and every one of his children. And it's going to differ from one child to another. And the one thing is, you know, as an educator, yeah, we, I've run schools. I've uh, been a superintendent of a high school. And we try to get our kids into full-ride Stanford, and we've done it. But I've seen just as many kids do really, really well and have a beautiful, happy, happy life at some of There's so many amazing universities and colleges out there that aren't necessarily as prestigious. But that does not dictate their future. You know, where one of the things we teach at our school is um, giving back and um, service learning, which is teaching the kids from kindergarten on how to be a contributing community member and even in kindergarten um, because that's, that's where they're going to find true happiness and, um, and relief and freedom from these uh, unrealistic, in many cases, unrealistic demands that are placed upon them by society. Well, and I couldn't agree more. And and one of the things that I am finding out now with my kids, I mean, as being at the teenage level, is we're starting to to look at colleges, and we're looking at what what they want to see before they're going to accept a child to their college. And one of the things that I'm really really enjoying is the fact is one of the key factors is what sort of community involvement is this child involved in? What sort of leadership activities are they involved in? What sort of of uh, as far as sports, and it isn't necessarily so much are they are they a a star in the sport, but are they involved in a uh, in a sport where they're they're learning teamwork? You know, those are the things that they're focusing on, as well as academics. But I love the fact that that there's a lot being placed on that, and I think that's boding well by by us being able to pass that on to our kids, saying you want to get into this school, here's what they're looking for. What are you doing now to fill that? Yeah, and a lot of um, parents might as well know that um, a lot of scholarships now hinge on uh, how much community service the kids are doing when they're in high school, and I've seen a lot of our kids get scholarship for that alone. But, um, you know, one of the things, again, um, as a believer, um, I believe that God has created each and every one of his children unique for a purpose. And um, there's a, a man by the name of Howard Gardner out of Harvard who has written a theory called Multiple Intelligences Theory. Now, if you talk to any educator, they are very, very familiar with this theory, but I find that very few parents have heard of it. And um, the entire theory behind it, and I want to share it with your listeners because I find it's really important for parents. The more parents who know about this, I think the better it is for us as parents and for our kids. Please do. But his intelligence. His intelligence theory is based on, you know, everybody is aware of the, the good old IQ test, 
which uh, was, you know, devised back around 1900. It's that old. And it tests two intelligences, the uh, verbal and mathematical. Mm-hmm. But Howard Gardner came along, and he said, and he, and this is done through brain um, imagery and every, and it's and neuroscience, as well as other things. He has said that there are multiple intelligences, and he calls them intelligences because anything is an intelligence if it can be lost through brain damage, and that's where he did his studying was with, through brain dam people who had suffered brain damage. Um, so he identified um, such uh, intelligences as artistic intelligence, as kinesthetic intelligence, as interpersonal intelligence, meaning how we get along with others, intrapersonal intelligence, how well do we know ourselves, mm-hmm. um, in addition, and musical intelligence, in addition to the verbal and the mathematical. And I love it because the the good old bell curve, which places kids on this continuum where there's, you know, you're gifted and you're not gifted. And the bell curve is really based on the IQ test, which are just the two intelligences. And I, I really am a big proponent for saying, let's look at, at each child as unique and saying, what how has God gifted this child? What what gifts? It may just be they're really, really good with other people. And and we take those, we look at those those gifts, those special, unique strengths and intelligences and say, How can we help that child um, succeed in that with that those intelligences and allow them the freedom to be all that they were created to be. Well, and, and I couldn't agree more. And in fact, I just recently had a conversation with my son, and I was quoting John Maxwell, and I was explaining to my son who mm-hmm. who was was a little bit frustrated over not doing as well in math, but yet in some mm-hmm. of the, in some of the more creative areas and some of the more structured areas, he was doing really well. And so we talked about that, and I told him, I said, you know, let me tell you a little bit about John Maxwell, and 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 he promotes essentially the same thing that you're saying is, is that if you have a child who's very strong in some of these areas, then put more time into those areas that they're strong in. Don't focus on the fact if you have somebody who's who's great artistically, and you go, okay, we're not going to let you spend any time doing that. We're going to make you work on this algebra stuff because that's where you're having right. trouble. And and right. and I think that promotes mediocrity. I mean, that's just trying to push whatever's your lowest thing up, hopefully to get to mediocrity, as opposed to grasping onto that thing that that you're special at, and focusing on it, and and run with it. I mean, really show that that you are really really great in this. So now you have a child who's happy about the fact that they're great in something, which I think helps every other part of their life. So why not do that? So I'm with you right there. Right, and I just, you know, back to mommies, and, and if we do the same thing to ourselves. We put unrealistic expectations on ourselves as well as our children, but I think more on ourselves than we even do our children. And um, I, I used to believe that if I was... If I were a perfect mom, I'd be an awesome mom. <laughs> and there are times when I'd beat myself up and I go, Sheila, if you were a better, if you were a better cook, or if you were better organized around the house, or if you were better at, you know, all the different things that I felt I where I saw my shortcomings, I thought uh, then I would be a better mom. And I really realized that no, it's actually count. That's counterintuitive. 
the my imperfections are what make me real mm-hmm. and my imperfections give my kids a model for them the fact they don't have to be perfect they see me striving to be the best at what i can be and definitely we i have um values that i will not compromise on but in terms of of performance that i'm not, i'm going to be imperfect and um, and that gives and then it also gives me the, the opportunity to model for them how to ask for forgiveness right. and to show them that it's oh that this is it's okay and boy that takes a lot off of the kids as well. Well, and absolutely, and I know you, and you mentioned earlier in regards to your faith and 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 how do you feel that that, that being a mother and going through what you went through, what you just discussed. How has that influenced or deepened your faith? Well, it absolutely does because in my faith, which is Christianity, we are, you know, the whole foundation is is grace, um, by grace alone, you know, that we are saved. And that's so, so it's an opportunity for me to, to model for my, my boys to say, you know what, I messed up, I'm sorry, but I'm forgiven, and and ask them for forgiveness, and that whole that whole message of grace, um, regardless of your faith, is something that moms can model for their kids, and and I, it just really it makes me realize that um, I'm loved, and I'm forgiven uh, by my family. I'm loved, and I'm forgiven by my heavenly Father, and that's probably the most reassuring um, thing that keeps me going. Okay. Well, I'm going to go to a listener question. We've got something. I'm looking at a different computer screen now. I've got an email coming in that says, it says, my sister has three children between the ages of 7 and 16. As a realtor, she must work many hours and weekends to stay afloat in the current economy. I hear, I hear so much guilt and desperation in her voice every time we speak. What advice can you impart to me that I can impart to her? Well, first of all, I don't want to sound like a saleswoman, but I did write, uh, my first book was Mommy Grace, Erasing Your Mommy Guilt, and um, there are, it mainly just like similar to what I was just saying, is to, first of all, she needs to start being um, more realistic in her, her own expectations of herself. And just, it, this is, she can encourage her sister and just tell her, you know what, you're doing an awesome job. And um, I would encourage her to, to um, I don't know if she's comfortable sharing this with her sister, but sometimes if we can focus on being a mommy being versus a mommy doing, and by that I mean um, sometimes that list of things to do, I suspect that her sister's li- living by a list of things to do. And I would hope and pray that she would include on her list of things to do something for her, that she's doing something for her. The problem is we feel like we are struggling to keep our head above water. We are struggling to to do it all. And yet, in the process, we neglect ourselves as moms. And so we become weary, we become burnt out, and, um, and that's not good for anybody. And our work and our mothering and all of that suffers in, as a result. And, and really, truly, there are things that we can do, like a bubble bath at night with a seized candy or something like that, um, or a cup of cocoa, or, or tr- actually programming time. And it doesn't have to be long, but I would really encourage her to, to make sure she's including on her list of things to do 
time for being, time for being alone, time for being, and it may be if she's alone, she's single, after the kids, like I said, after the kids are in bed, and even if she falls asleep, <laughs> you know, reading that book or whatever, but whatever she can do to get help, and if that sister can help her and give her a time where she can just take a spa day or something, um, She'll. I really think that's that's the best encouragement she can give her. Well, and, and yeah, and I was thinking the same thing. I mean, as I was reading it, I I kind of noticed that it didn't mention a husband. So I thought, you know, I'm I'm sort of assuming that there's not yeah. one in the picture. And that was one of the thoughts. The thing you touched on there is is that how can her, the sister offer some of her help without without kind of suggesting to her sister that maybe she's you know, she's not able to do it, you know, she's, you know, maybe she's being overwhelmed or something like that. Um, so is, is there a good way to present that so that it doesn't cause some friction between them? Like, are you saying I can't handle it? Well, I think telling her, oh, you're doing an awesome job. I just see how much, how, how heavy your, your burdens are. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think any mom would be hurt by that. I think she'd feel like somebody understood. Right. And, um, you know, just I can see how much you're having to carry. And, um, you know, I just felt felt maybe it would be I wanted to give you a gift. And um, so and give you a gift of a, of a spa day or give you a gift of, a, of an evening where, you know, I'll babysit the kids so you can go to a movie or whatever. So right. um, I think if she presents it that way, it'll be fine. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's probably also it's, it's a gift uh, that that not only works for her, but it may also work for the kids as well. You know, if, 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 part of the, if part of that gift is she's taking the kids, you know, if she's taking the kids to a movie while mom's at the spa or something like that, you're right. It can, it, mm-hmm. it can be a very, yeah. very positive thing. Uh, is there any other advice you would give to just mothers in general that are feeling overwhelmed at this time? Well, I, I really specifically love the fact that love to tell them it's okay. It's okay to, <laughs> to rest. Um, you know, I, I use the illustration of running out of gas. And I have, um, I'm notorious for running out of gas, as people will know. And when I, when I describe what happens, you know, I wake up in the morning and I look at my, ta- my gas tank and it says, well, you're on reserve. <laughs> well, I can get to work back on reserve because I look at the clock and I go, no, I don't have time now. I'll be late for that meeting. So I dash to work. Then I get in the car and then it's, um, I, re- I had forgotten that my gas tank was so low and I jump in the car and then I think, oh no, I'm late, I've got to get home, I've got to get dinner on the table before I run back to church for another meeting tonight, Bible study or whatever. I don't have time to stop now. Well, you know, suddenly there I hear the sputter sputter on the freeway and I'm pulling over and, and then I'm really in trouble. Um, and that that's just a metaphor for what happens to us as moms too often. We tend to um, put again, we put ourselves, we don't even include ourselves on our to-do list. We don't, we neglect ourselves to the point where, where we do run out of gas. And that means we start getting cranky. We start getting, uh, we start making mistakes. We start saying, then we have to go back and clean up the messes that we've made of our life with relationships or whatever. And it would have been a whole lot, we would have saved a lot of time, a lot of energy if we had just taken time to fill that gas tank. Um, I like to use the guidelines or commands from the Bible, which is one day out of seven. 
uh, to take a Sabbath and to, uh, and it doesn't have, you know, some people, it's a whole day, but boy, I, you know, most, most of us, even though we work, many of us today are working six, seven days a week, but I believe that six should be enough to get it in, get whatever done we need to do. And to just take one day uh, for us growing up in our family with my dad, Dr. Schuler and I, we would always go after church on Sundays, uh, we would curl up with the, the Sunday paper and sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I taught my boys to do the same thing, to take a nap, or I'd get them a video um, a cartoon or something and put it on for them while I took a nap. In fact, my boys teasingly call me Mommy the Mummy, and because uh, I would, <laughs> the minute I put a cartoon on for them, I was crashed on the couch. Um, you know, everything was in lockdown, but I knew, I, but I needed that, and um, so if, if I would encourage moms to do that. All right, and hopefully they have somebody close enough to them that can help. You know, if the kids are a little bit younger. You know, get somebody in there that can help you if there's if there's not a a father in the picture or for whatever if there's if if you're a single parent I mean if you're a father and there's not a mother in the picture, try and get somebody else there, be it another family member or a close friend that can help you at that time. So yeah, that makes perfect sense. Uh, you know what I want to uh, let's take a break, uh, but when we come back we're going to be talking a little bit more in regards to your book. Uh, and again, which is Mommy Power. We will be right back. Founded over 25 years ago to meet the needs of families in crisis, West Shield specializes in resolving adolescent issues that negatively impact the family. From preteen to young adult, we are experienced and qualified to help. We offer solutions which include referrals to a network of top professionals internationally that we work very closely with in the fields of educational consulting, psychology, and psychiatry. Our in-home crisis intervention care program helps to stabilize families and bring effective resolution. We are supported by our licensed investigation company that enables us to offer legal and expert services for locating runaway teens and more. Our therapeutic transportation services help to ensure that adolescents in crisis are safely provided transportation to specialized schools and programs with unmatched experience and success. Simply put, West Shield Adolescent Services is the best solution when your family is facing personal crisis. Call 1-800-899-8585 and let us help you. All right, we're back. We are talking with Dr. Sheila Schuler coleman and we're talking about mommy power. Now, uh, a little bit ago, you were talking about being perfect, this this drive to try to be perfect as a mom or, or as, as any parent trying to raise their children to be the best they can possibly be. I think with most of us having these feelings, I mean, how can moms or single parents, how can they overcome these feelings? Well, I like like I t- said earlier, is long. It's important for us all to accept <laughs> the fact that that being perfect is not being a good mother. That's counterintuitive, but being a real mom, being real, uh, is it means being imperfect, and and that's okay. That's in fact that makes you an actually a better mother. And one thing that I I learned, Alan, was that. Um, I was never going to be a perfect mother. And that was really hard for me to accept. And I just want to say to all your moms, I, hear me loud and clear, you will never 
be a perfect mother. Now, hopefully you feel a little better. Right. <laughs> Maybe you don't. But here's, the, here's what is true. You are the perfect mother for your child, meaning God has made you perfectly. He has, he has formed you with just the right, the right balance of gifts and strengths and characters. He is putting you exactly what your child needs. So you have been perfectly made to be the, the perfect mother for your child. That doesn't mean we do everything perfectly, right. but we are perfectly made to be just with the right match, just the right match. And, and I just want moms to, to understand that. And it's very, it's a, it's a, sounds like a play on words, but it's really an important concept for them to understand that if they're just themselves, mm-hmm. they are perfectly made to be the perfect mother for their child. Mm-hmm. And um, that means mistakes and all. And, um, and I've seen that. I've seen that my, I used to compare myself. And I think moms are out there saying, uh-huh, um, that we compare ourselves to other moms. Mm-hmm. And I look at the next door, and she's a little, she could be a Martha Stewart. <laughs> Everything was wonderful. Her, her cookies looked beautiful. The gingerbread men she made had perfect little bow ties on them, you know. <laughs> right. And, um, and, and when I brought home from the cookie exchange her cookies as well as the other cookies, and I, and I looked at my little drab peanut butter chocolate chip cookies that, that weren't very artistically made at all, and I brought them home for the cookie exchange, my boys could have cared less about the really fancy cookies. They, they dove into the cookies that I made because that, those are their favorite cookies. Right. And, and they, were, they were boy cookies, you know? <laughs> and that's, that's what I mean, you know? And that Susie was the perfect mom for her little girls next door. Um, and I was the perfect mom. God made us perfectly for the children that he gave us. And um, so stop comparing and start celebrating the amazing mom that you are. That's great. And I think the other thought is is that if you're trying to be perfect in your child's eyes, guess what? When they become teenagers, you're going to get less and less right. <laughs> if, you, if you like it or not. True. Right. Very true. That's a no win. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's it's okay to to mess up, but I think it's important. I think kids are. Ki- I I know that kids see right through it if you try to be anything but real with kids, and they appreciate it if you're real. They appreciate it if you say to them, you know, I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have said that. Can you forgive me? Um, I've done that a lot with my boys over the years, and and um, it has paid huge dividends. <laughs> well, let me ask this then. So, I mean, how do you hope women will use your book uh, to get the most about, uh, to get the most out of it, to to come out of it, uh, to feel the most encouraged? Well, I think if they will feel encouraged by a couple of ways. One, I, I'm hoping that they will throw away that list that, that they have to accomplish in order to be perfect and you, because it's an unrealistic uh, uh, list. Um, I'm fairly certain if they actually wrote down everything they thought they needed to do today to be a good mom, um, most of those things on that list they could cross off and still be an absolutely amazing, wonderful mom. And second of all, um, I want I hope that they will uh, 
find uh, an infusion of faith in themselves and their children and from from God because uh, to counter that fear. We live in a, in a world of fear, and with the economy has just made it that much harder. So I, I really hope that, that, they'll, that by reading my book, by listening to me today, that they will they'll say, you know what, I'm, I'm not going, I'm, I feel more faith in me. I feel that I, I don't need to be as afraid, afraid of, of messing up, afraid that my children won't have the, the opportunities, opportunities they need, afraid that I will fail. So many people, one of their biggest fears is fear of failure and um, that they will have faith, and their faith will be renewed, and their faith will be strengthened, because that's an incredible thing for us to model for our children. Um, you know, having a, a perfect uh, curveball, having um, a perfect straight-A GPA, having um, a perfectly cleaned house, um, those are are minimal. In fact, those are, are valueless to our kids in the long run. But if we can model them, forgiveness for them, if we can model uh, faith for them. Um, in a nutshell, I say that to parents in the book, I hope that after they've read the book, they'll be able to love strong. It's called Mommy Strength. Mm-hmm. They'll be able to love strong. They'll be able to believe strong. And they'll be able to forgive strong. And boy, that's the formula for a really, really strong, powerful mom. Well, I, I couldn't agree more, and it's also a great, uh, a great recipe for strong children, which is, which is what I think we're mm-hmm. all trying. It's what we're all trying to do is we're trying to help our next generation yeah. uh, to be strong and to be forgiving, and so I think that's beautiful. Uh, now I was looking. You, you mentioned the economy and the way the economy is now. It seems like both parents are having to work longer hours just to make ends meet. What tips can moms get in what little time they may have, as far as to read? So I mean, now even just to be able to take the time to read your book, um, how have you set I, that up? Well, that's one of the challenges. Again, moms put themselves on the back burner and they don't do anything for themselves hardly ever. And um, so I intentionally wrote the book um, in short little chapters. I figured they were short enough for them to read in the bathroom, um, short enough for them to read while they're waiting in the carpool pickup line at school, you know, where you're waiting in line for pickup. Um, short enough to, to grab it. They're very, very short chapters, and they're written that way intentionally. It's a little book. Uh, there's also some verses in there that they can um, turn to when they need to, just some um, uh, nuggets, whatever the, uh, the the thought, the predominant thought of that chapter was. I've put in a box at the end of each chapter. So, because um, I know how moms are, we are, we have bad days. <laughs> mm-hmm. And when they have a bad day, um, they can turn to a, quickly find, quickly find a little phrase that will, will be a, a pick-me-up. So um, that's what I, I wrote it intentionally. And I'm hearing the mommy blogs who wrote um, the reviews in the book. That was one of the first things they mentioned. They noticed that. They really appreciated that. So yeah, that 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 yeah, that they could you know while they're dropping their child off for school or whatever and waiting in line, <laughs> you know that that they can take just a little bit, just enough to kind of pick them up before they go on to the next whatever it may be. Right. 
Right. Yeah. So um, I that so that's why it's written that way for moms. It's a little like I said, it's a little book. It's a it's a it's a book to help them, encourage them, and. Um, um, somebody who read it said, I'll, I'll keep this on my nightstand um, for a quick pick-me-up whenever I feel discouraged or whenever I'm I'm being too hard on myself. So, because um, we moms are, we need to be better, we have to be kinder to ourselves. Right. <laughs> in fact, there's one chapter in here called Embracing a Beautiful Child, You. And um, as I was writing it, I thought about how they're, you know, I'm a child advocate. And most parents are. Mm -hmm. If we saw another child being bullied, if you saw another child, if you heard somebody say to a child, you're fat, Mm -hmm. or if we heard somebody say to a child, you're stupid, or we heard somebody say to a child, how could you have done that? Weren't you thinking? Um, We would be appalled, and we'd probably step in and try to... um, you know, alleviate the situation. And yet, Alan, I know that there are moms who are standing in front of the mirror every day saying to to God's child, and they say to themselves, they look in the mirror and they'll say, oh, I look fat today. Oh, I am so stupid. Oh, how did I mess up so bad? And we just, you know, we are absolutely horrendous right. <laughs> to this child. We say things to ourselves that we wouldn't dream of saying to anybody else. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, so I just want moms to, um, I, in the one chapter, it's embrace, embrace a beautiful child. That's you. Mm-hmm. And again, the healthier moms are, the more they do this, the better they will be as moms and the better they're, they're and, and of course the kids will, will pay huge dividends from it. If they can learn, if they can model for their children that they are worthwhile, that they they can take time for themselves, that they can embrace themselves, then then their then their child will be more likely to do that as a, as a parent too. And their child's going to have a healthier, more balanced life and less stressful. But it begins with us modeling it. So um so for no other reason, moms, you know, take care of yourself. Take better care of yourself. Yeah, abs- absolutely, and you're right. And and much of communication is exactly what you're modeling, not what you're saying. So I agree with you completely uh-huh. where, you, where you have a parent who's saying, well, you know, I would never tell my child that they were fat or I'd never tell my child they screwed this all up, but yet we will do it to ourselves. So I, I think that's a great point that maybe a lot of people miss sometimes. So I appreciate that. We, well, and... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I, well, even if they don't or hear us say those things, the, the kids still pick up on the fa- on how we feel about ourselves. Right, and that's what I'm saying is, yeah, they're you know they're not hearing us say it to ourselves, but they're seeing it in our actions uh, because we're not modeling it in the manner that we should. So, yeah, I I certainly agree. And we've got another another email question that's coming over, and this one says. First, let me say that my husband and I have a wonderful relationship with our kids. Unfortunately, my mother is continually criticizing what she feels is a lack of structure in our home. She has begun interfering directly with our kids to the point that my husband is drawing a line in the sand in regards to having her around. I've exhausted myself trying to keep the peace. How do you suggest I bridge this gap with my own mother? Wow. Wow, that's a really good question. 
Well, you know, setting boundaries with her, I would hope that she'd be able to have a, a really lovingly frank conversation with her mom and thank her for her suggestions and her help, but um, to tell her that this is this is their home. And um, because if she can have, if she can draw the boundary through verbal, verbally draw the boundary, uh, then hopefully she won't have to draw a physical boundary, meaning keeping her um, her away from the kids and from the home. I would hope that that would that would be a, um, a last measure of resort. But and I have a feeling that if she talks to her mom and she lets her know. Um, her mom will probably, I would hope that her mom would back off because most, most grandmas do not want to lose out on time with their grandchildren. I mean, that's what we, and I'm not a grandma yet, but I've heard that those, that grandmas and uh, grandpas live for their grandchildren. And, um, so I think she can have the conversation with her and, um, part of that's generational and, and her mom means well. So, but, um. Again, I it, it needs to be frank and it needs to be. But if it's done in love, um, hopefully her mom will will hear it. Well, and and I hope so too. And and as I was reading the question, the other thought came to mind, uh, sort of maybe as a as a piece for this the woman who's sending this in, and that is, um, don't make this become a wedge between uh, your you know you and your husband or you and your mother. You know, and and the difficulty I right. see is 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 not to go in and say. My husband says if you don't do this or if you continue to do this, she needs to go in as a united front. In other words, she, you know, uh-huh. she and her husband as the parents of these children believe that this is the right level that that grandma should be involved. Because uh, I think that there's, yeah. there's there's another possible trap here. Whereas if she goes in and she dumps this on the on the husband, now I think there's going to be she's going to have driven a wedge that's going to be more difficult to deal with in the future. I think that's very wise, Alan. I really do. But, you know, I I give kudos to them and to the husband for wanting to draw healthy boundaries. Um, It's hard to do. It's really, really hard to do. But but I'm pretty sure she'll be able to navigate this and and have a... I do make sure when she talks to her mother that um, <laughs> she goes in rested and she doesn't go in with both barrels, you know, but going in very, very lovingly. And, and um, you know, there's a phrase that I, from Jesus Christ, that just helps me so much in when it comes to relationships. And when it was when he was hanging on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And the reason that phrase is so helpful to me is because I say it a lot, um, Alan. When people when people said things to me that have hurt me or that are causing problems, I'll say, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." I suspect her mom does not know what she's doing. She doesn't know that it's causing problems. And so, um, you know, if she can can forgive her because she and, and assume the best. Maybe she does know, but I'm, I, I find that the majority of the times they don't. And so why not assume the best unless we know otherwise and just say uh, so she can go in with that attitude. I think it's going to help a lot. Yep, I, I agree as well, and I think you're right. If they go in and she says, look, 
mom just wants to be helping. She just, you know, just thinks that these are things that could Mm -hmm. help. And maybe one of the things she could do is also, you know, suggest to mom, you know, here's another way you could help. You know, you know, we we, want to go out to a movie next Saturday. Why don't you take the boys and, you know, and I, again, I don't think it mentions the age of the kids in this particular case, but, you know, take them to go see Toy, uh, Toy Story 3, you know, or something like that. Um, you know, so that we know that what it is that she's doing is is a positive. I mean, it's it's a good movie. It's a you know a clean movie. So that might be the kind of thing to where grandma can still be involved, but yet you can have a little more say so as to what it is that grandma's doing. And she'll yeah, probably and I love it. Would... Go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I said, and grandma will probably love that. She would love it, and um, I think we, it helps to remember that Grandma's also operating out of fear. <laughs> She's afraid that by, in her mind, her philosophy is good parenting equals structure. And um, she's afraid that if if her grandkids don't have this structure, that they're not going to. They're again, they won't turn out as well. They'll either be little hooligans or they won't do well in school. And um, so, grandma's grandma does mean well. She's but she's operating out of fear. And um, so, you know, any kind of reassurance that she can give her mom too it will help. I think help her let go. Well, and yeah, I think that's great. Uh, we're we're actually we're up on we've only got about three minutes or so, and I did want to touch on one thing, and that is, what do you think men can get from reading this book? Because I realize that it's called Mommy Power, but I I was mm-hmm. thinking about it and I was going, I mean, I would think that we could get some value as men out of it in in a couple of different ways, but but let me first ask you what you're thinking. Well, I, you know, I was actually asked to write it specifically for moms, so I don't know, but I have heard that men have, first of all, it helps them understand um, women, their their wives, but um, most of the principles in here are universal, and I think that they're, they're equally applicable to um, fathers as much as mothers. Yeah, and that was kind so of... What are your thoughts? Well, and but that, that was it. I mean, that was, you know, kind of the... On the one thing was, yes, from a single parent standpoint, I think that some of the same things can be brought out. Some of the same the message can be brought out. But the other point that I thought maybe wasn't as maybe intentionally put in is that we as men can understand a little bit better what it is that, you know, women or in this case, mommies are going through. And, and it's almost like reading a little bit from, you know, from the other side's playbook. You know, going, wow, are, are they really mm-hmm. thinking that or are they really going through that? And then looking at it and saying, how can I as a man, how can I be a better husband or how can I be a better father to help them through this? So that was that was kind of one of my and thoughts. That's important. I would also say that what I who I hear from are grandmothers. Okay. Because um, uh, there, you know, I could have titled the book "Grandmommy Power: Discovering Your Grandmother's Strength." Because a lot of grandmothers are raising their grandchildren now. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not in the way that they're interfering, like with their earlier caller, but I mean, they truly have physical custody of their grandchildren, and um, more and more are finding that. And I find that they, you know, imagine doing that 
um, when you're that much older, <laughs> just <laughs> physically, but also typically um, when grandparents are raising um, their grandchildren, they are they, they have a lot of uh, very low uh, sense of self-confidence in their grandparenting or now parenting skills because typically when they're in that situation, it's because the, their kids have not turned out well. They're in jail or they're in their drug uh, right. addict or something like that, and so they feel like they've messed it up the first time, and so what makes them think it's going to be any better the second time around, and they're that much older. And um, so uh, I will say that I've heard from, from grandparents, uh, grandmothers especially, who've said it's been very, very helpful. You know that so. you bring up a good point. Now I want to go right back to the uh, the second person that emailed in a question, and that is maybe you want to get your mother, or in this case, grandma, a copy of the book. Get her a copy of the book, and maybe <laughs> she'll read it and go, "Okay, I see how I could yeah. maybe I could help my daughter, and yet not be too intrusive." <laughs> now, in I don't know, right? She might have her feelings hurt. I don't know, but it's, uh, yeah, this is, so, but some grandmas are. And she could, if she wanted to, she could get it for her and tell her, thank you, you were such a wonderful mom, I just wanted to get you this for a gift. But, because uh, <laughs> a lot of the book does talk about letting go, letting go control. All right, well, so, speaking of that, how can people, uh, if they're listening, how can they get the book, or how can they get in touch with you? Well, the book's available. Um, the easiest way to get it in place is Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. It's available both places. And um, if they want to, if they have any other questions and they want to reach me, they can reach me at uh, CrystalCathedral.org uh, slash Sheila. And my name is spelled S-H-E-I-L-A. And um, it comes right into my inbox. And I'm happy to uh, to respond to them and um, be there for them and that's what I do. Why I do what I do. Well, and that's great. And again, because she also has uh, the Hour of Power publication, Powerlines, uh, I would imagine you can probably go on in and uh, subscribe to that and be able to either send in questions or just observe the answers to some of the others. So, Sheila, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it very much. And please just keep doing what you're doing. I will. Thank you, Alan. And all you moms out there, give yourself a big pat on the back. <laughs> so right. have a great day. Great. Thank you. Bye now. Mm -hmm. and, bye. Bye. And for everybody else, if you are listening, uh, know that you can share answers for the family with your family, friends, and associates who could benefit from this information. You can go to the website at www.answers4thefamilyblog.com. Now, until next week, Seek to catch someone doing something good every day. I know I will. You're listening to Answers for the Family with Alan Cardoza. Alan Cardoza. Only on L.A. Talk Radio.